0: The FCC is the Federal Communications.
1: FCC won't let me be. (coughs) Go ahead. Let me be me. (laughs) That's all I know. Okay. We are recording.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Welcome back. This is I Should Know This with Joey and Ellie. Welcome to 2019. Happy to be here.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Hope you had a great holiday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: stay healthy, stay fit, don't drink <laughs> in January.
0: Do whatever you want. <laughs> do, yeah, you do you. Um, Another
1: great debate. Who goes first?
0: Well, so I think I know what we talked about last time, and I think that you asked me first this time.
1: I'm supposed to ask you first? Mm-hmm. All right, my question has to do with something pretty relevant for this time and place
0: you always say that
1: well i think it is relevant so we talked about phones not in our podcast but outside of it offline as some would say and there's all this talk about the 5g and then you kind of scoffed at it would that be a correct interpretation no i didn't scoff at it so. so i guess my question is you know there's the 2g 3g 4g and then now years later they're coming out with 5g and it seems like you know a lot about what's going on. I have no idea, so.
0: Well, okay. <laughs>
1: this has this has to do with, I My guess. My job. Yeah, so it's something I think you should know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if it's something that you need to know tons about, but let's see.
0: Okay, so if you had to guess what 2G, 3G stood for, what do you think it stands for?
1: It's not gigs, not two gigs, three gigs. It's the bandwidth it's the wireless. Like
0: our router, like 2.4 or 5, right?
1: Yeah, it's the gigahertz.
0: There you go. So the difference between 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G is the frequency that it's transmitting your signal over. And 5G is a faster frequency than 4G. So the reason that you might not have been able to do it before is just not having the, like, equipment on both ends to be able to decode that.
1: So was that the problem?
0: Well, there's several several things. Okay. So one is the actual, like, um, electronic hardware. The other on is... On our side,
1: for our phones or for the towers? Both. Okay.
0: And then the other... Another issue is that it's part of the licensed spectrum. So... There's a limited amount of electromagnetic spectrum and you have to pay if you want to use More. or own part of the... Well, the cellular service is always on the licensed. It's never on the... Un- well, they they were allowed to unload onto unlicensed spectrums like if they got overwhelmed on their own.
1: Let's keep this simple for idiots like me because you're starting to get a <laughs> little bit...
0: Basically, they had a certain bandwidth that they could use, and when that filled up, they would start using the unlicensed bandwidths.
1: Without permission?
0: You don't need permission. It's unlicensed.
1: Oh, exactly. But it
0: would obviously cause interference with Wi-Fi, with cellular carriers. They want you on cellular data so they can have all of that information, and they can have you paying them versus being on Wi-Fi.
1: Um, but I mean, what about this ability to do and maybe this is going too far down the rabbit hole, but having Wi-Fi calling because then you're calling on your wireless network at five gigahertz, right? Mm hmm.
0: So it's it's five gigahertz is like a like they're only using some channels of that band five like all the way from five gigahertz to six gigahertz is like oh, however you want to say it, a thousand or more than a thousand hertz to get there. So you can imagine it's like 2.4 is very specific. So five gigahertz means you have anywhere between five and 5.1 gigahertz to use that bandwidth. So part of it is unlicensed and part of it is licensed. Five gig on cellular, I'm pretty sure, even if it was like higher, if it was like five, say 5.3 or something, they would still just call it five. So that I don't know exactly what frequency they're on. I just know it's part of the license spectrum. And, okay, so there's a few things with it. The FCC is the Federal Communications.
1: FCC won't let me be. <coughs> Go ahead. Let me be me. <laughs> That's all I know.
0: Okay. They basically approve and, like, give you.
1: Hoboken is busy today.
0: Yeah, And give you the permission after you pay for it to use different frequency bands. Is that her? <laughs> All
1: right. This is a, a very intense podcast. with Lots going on.
0: Um, okay. All right. I'm going to backtrack and try and answer the question. So 5g part of the reason that it's taken so long to deploy is because the f-
1: one was the hardware.
0: Yeah. One is the hardware. One is FCC permissions for it. And then the like cellular companies need to deploy it. And, and, when something is first changing over, you need like at least one cell phone that can handle 5G in order to use it. And so there aren't any cell phones in the US market today that can use 5G. So if they were to, bl- to deploy the technology from their towers and everything, no one would be able to use it yet.
1: So my next question is, how does that affect me as a consumer? Am I going to get faster faster? Wi-Fi or Mm -hmm. not Wi-Fi am I gonna get faster cellular so I can scroll through my Instagram faster Mm -hmm. or I can get FaceTime clearer or whatnot that's how it's gonna impact me
0: yeah so when you increase the frequency you do a couple things you increase the speeds in which you can transmit the data so that gives you a higher capacity so capacity is like loading videos like FaceTime calling, things like that, that should be better because your phone is just processing that information faster. Yeah, okay. Um,
1: But that means we're gonna end up paying more too, right?
0: You'll probably end up using more data, but just like anything else, you can like restrict what quality you're running videos at, and it still might not be like HD quality, but it's gonna be like, you're not gonna have all of the buffering issues. We um, I mean,
1: who even needs buffering th- anymore?
0: <laughs> the other thing that happens when you increase the frequency is you reduce the coverage. So.
1: Oh yeah. Okay.
0: So you, I'm I'm interested to know how they're going to deploy it so that there's that like pervasive coverage that is needed so that when you're walking and doing things like that, you maintain the same like signal strength olive is very rowdy right now um
1: maybe we should take her for a walk before we do the podcast not that that's the case now we're just gonna let this run out next time yeah
0: yeah <laughs> it's raining though so i didn't want to go outside uh, i don't
1: want to go outside either
0: but yeah that's that's 5g in a nutshell did that answer your questions
1: yeah no i think it definitely answers some of the questions. Um, I just but, wonder because, oh, I'm sorry, they went from two g to three g to four g pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and then there was like two or three years ago, if not more, that they were talking about five g and then it kind of fell off the map, and now it's this big resurgence, so is it that the technology has been able to like has it become more semi commoditized to make it cheaper and therefore it's easier to roll out, or is it much more of just like a regulation issue?
0: I think that it's less about the technology and more about the regulation and more about the cellular companies making the investment on all of their infrastructure to increase to 5G.
1: Cool. All right. Um,
0: but just so you know, Europe, like, is already deploying 5G in some places, so that shows you how, like, the regulating commissions can be, like, the limiting factor.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot that Europe gets faster or earlier than we do, so I'll take it. Okay. All right, I think it's uh.
0: It's me. It's me. Go for it. All right, I'm gonna TBT this back to one of our first episodes.
1: Taking back Tuesday or taking back Thursday?
0: I just mostly meant throwback. That's what I meant. Okay. Um.
1: <laughs> I should know this TBT.
0: <laughs> What's oh taking back Tuesday or taking <laughs> back Thursday? Thir- <laughs> it's like uh, you mean taking back Sunday? Oh, yeah. Anyways, um, so I wanted you to help explain what happens in your body when you get like an adrenaline rush and what adrenaline is. Okay. And you have a tattoo of adrenaline.
1: Yeah, let me just Your very first one, right? You just always want me to take my shirt off for these podcasts. You're like, you have a tattoo of it. And I'm wearing, you know, a collar up to my neck, obviously, because that's what a collar is. And then sleeves all the way down to my wrist. And then you're like... Can you take your shirt off?
0: Let's keep this uh, PG. It is
1: PG. I'm a guy. I can take my shirt off anywhere in the world. Okay. Um, so adrenaline is a hormone, something that's released throughout your body. It's part of that, some would say, flight or fight mechanism. It's part of the fight, or I guess it is part of the flight. So actually, I think adrenaline has a twofold factor. Um, the interesting thing about adrenaline is that it does this thing called the cascade effect, so I'm surprised I remember this, but when, imagine you have one that turns into two, that turns into four, that turns into eight, 16, 32, but imagine it's just that exponential. Olive, we're trying to podcast here. Do we even cut this out or do we just leave it? I think
0: we might leave it this time.
1: Um, It's not always like this, <laughs> but instead of being... Are you kidding me?
0: (laughs) She like waited for you to start talking again.
1: Olive, can I have that? Guess not. We might have to cut out some of it. Yeah. Okay, so adrenaline, it's doing that cascade effect, but maybe I used the wrong um, figure. So let's go one, ten, hundred, a thousand, ten thousand. Because what it does is it. Are you going to sneeze?
0: I'm just going to. No, I don't have to. Just do it. No, no, I lost it. I lost it.
1: Okay, so <laughs> it does this cascade effect, <laughs> but the reason it's doing that is because if it was linear, if it was a slow introduction, then your body wouldn't be as quick to respond. Okay. So, it's basically causing your body to get this rush, and that's why so that cascade effect is giving you that rush, and then that higher level of adrenaline is going to goes to your appendages. So, it's actually kind of shutting down your core as in like the internal, like your stomach, your appendix. Like it's limiting the blood flow. So it's like constricting the blood flow to those organs, but then it's dilating. So it's a vasoconstrictor. I'm actually saying this right this time. So it's a vasoconstrictor for all your internal organs, like your stomach, because you're not worried about eating or digesting. You're worried about running away from the bear or the the angry wife or whatever it may be
0: (laughs) is that why people like throw up from it
1: um from an adrenaline rush
0: or like coming off of an adrenaline rush
1: maybe i have to look that up okay but so the adrenaline is actually um causing the vessels to dilate in your mobile appendages so like your legs your arms so that you can escape the situation so you can or fight the situation It's just basically giving you
0: more power in your
1: arms yeah, and legs. It basically translates to more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, your brain becomes a little bit more alert. And I think that answers the short and sweet of it. I don't know about the throwing up. I think because you do get an adrenaline rush from a lot of different stimulus. So like from pain, you can get an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Like some people, they get tattoos and they get a rush from that. Well, or that's what
0: happened to me. And then I throw up right after.
1: Or sometimes people, when they take a fall, that causes an adrenaline rush because it's like a shock to the senses. So your body's like, "What do I need to do to respond to this?" Is that Mm. what happened to you a couple days ago? What? I don't know. You? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You threw up?
0: No, that was anxiety though. He's Joey's talking about when we were climbing, and I've been lead climbing, which means you clip as you go and you can fall. And I've been trying further than usual. Yeah, and I've been trying not to yell "take," which means that. Shorten the rope. Shorten like the fall and just like kind of like make it more like making it more like top rope. And so I fell on a climb I've done millions of times before and and it just scared me.
1: This is a safe fall. There's nothing dangerous about (laughs) it for those that don't know.
0: No. Yeah, I was totally fine except I had like this rush through my body right before as I was panicking and then as I fell. And then when I was even when I was down on the ground, I like got this like rush through my body that I think was anxiety. And well, stuff. I
1: mean, it would have been adrenaline because your body's like, what do I need to do? Yeah, and your but I had
0: fallen like one climb before that and not had anything.
1: Well, and your body's giving you that adrenaline rush to hold on to the rock a little bit longer or to. Be ready for what's about to come next.
0: No, I know. I just think, I mean, it's totally a personal conversation, but it's interesting how some falls will give me that, like, scare and other falls, like, and it has nothing to do with whether I've climbed it before or how hard the moves are.
1: What about when Olive chased that squirrel?
0: That freaked me out. Yeah, I got an adrenaline rush from that. She caught the squirrel, and I have a picture that I'll post that is of the part of the tail. But it's just hair. It's no bone.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just a fluff ball. Um. So, I mean, I also think that just to talk about the adrenaline, I think that you develop a tolerance for it, you know, a threshold. So, when you take those yeah. falls, then your adrenaline is less likely to respond because you're used to it. But if you get some sort of weird stimulus, like you're about to get hit by a car, which hopefully you've never been... Mm-hmm you know, accustomed to. <laughs> well, yeah, I think
0: it's one of those things where Alex Honnold, who's that famous climber, like they scanned his brain and like, I don't know what they did to try and trigger it, but they showed that he like required much more stimulus in his brain to even feel like fear.
1: Well, I was going to say that's like stress. So it's like the cortisol. So that's what probably what they're measuring, mm-hmm. measuring.
0: Cause I think like it's mind over body for a lot of the situation. Like I got scared and that's why I got an adrenaline rush on the other fall I didn't get scared and that's why I didn't get an adrenaline rush yeah but um I was gonna ask when you were talking about the cascade effect that means that waterfall it's just releasing a lot of hormone into your bloodstream like what is it actually cascading
1: yeah so it's basically triggering the release of the hormone so it's kind of like you have a great analogy. We're not going to use eggs. No,
0: I was gonna. I was thinking of when things are like a low glycemic index versus a high glycemic index. It means just like a lot of sugar released into your bloodstream all at once or slowly over time. And I kind of related it to that.
1: Okay, I I really don't know much about glycemic indexes. So oh. unless you let me Google it, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if there's a relation between and then how they work.
0: So a hormone is just a chemical. Like it's a chemical structure. It's just called a hormone because of where it's coming from in your body.
1: A hormone has a chemical structure.
0: Okay. What makes a hormone? I'll ask that another time. What? Like what makes a hormone a hormone? (laughs) Okay. Sorry.
1: (laughs) I'll look up the definition of a hormone. Okay. And that's what I should know. With that said.
0: Fact check.
1: Roll the fact check. Okay, I'm recording real quick because I haven't looked it up, but I was just typing in adrenaline. Nothing showed up yet. I was like just putting all the things in the fact check. And I just realized that it's also known as epinephrine. So just so you know.
0: Oh, like an EpiPen?
1: Yeah. So I guess we could talk about, I'll look at that up, the EpiPen and how it works. But it's basically synthetic. I believe it's synthetic adrenaline or epinephrine that is in a tube. And then. You stab somebody, you probe them, you stick them, and it helps them out. But we can (laughs) make that up. Okay. And we're back. We're back. Fact check.
0: Okay, I go first, right?
1: Ladies first.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I'm really embarrassed to say that I was totally wrong. Well, it's like not totally wrong. It is five gigabytes? No, no, it's (laughs) not. So, all right. The reason I got confused, I'll have to say, is because I work a lot more with Wi-Fi than cellular. And fuzzled. And Wi-Fi, when you say 2.4 or 5G, that means the frequency that it's passed on. But in cellular, 5G means fifth generation. No way. So 2G is second generation, 3G is third generation, 4G is fourth generation, and 5G is five generation.
1: I thought it had to do with the gigahertz as well. (laughs) No. Olive, I swear to God, (laughs) sit your ass down. Go to the bench.
0: Don't be mean to her. She's fine. Okay. So. <laughs> Fifth
1: generation.
0: I'm embarrassed, but it's fine. Um, so it's
1: like the iPhone 3G was the third generation.
0: Or it was using 3G cellular. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't look up. Breaking obviously.
1: This thing's going to be an hour long. <laughs> I know. And then we're going to have to edit it down to the appropriate amount of time.
0: Okay. So. 4G was LTE YMAX, 3G was UMTS, and 2G was GSM. Um, so 5G uses a ton of different frequency bands, basically anywhere from 600 megahertz to 6 gigahertz. Okay. Well, that's not even true. Sorry. There's They have <laughs> it's split into two. So there's the sub 6 gigahertz spectrum, and then there's um, the spectrum above 6 gigahertz. So low and mid band, and then high band. So I'll post the image, but basically, um, basically in the U.S., they're using 600 megahertz for like your Internet of Things style deployments that don't need a super high bandwidth, but they need the coverage. Um, and then there's the 3100 to 3550 megahertz. And 3,700 to 4,200 megahertz. And that's like still more based on coverage, but can give you higher capacities as well. Because you're talking about basically around the same frequencies as like Wi-Fi. Yeah, okay. And then you have higher band stuff, which goes up to like 71 gigahertz. And that's like millimeter wave. And that's for very small spaces. So that's where they're going to put like a really small antenna under a seat in a stadium and they're gonna do that on like a grid pattern and people will get like super high frequencies on their phones like they'll be able to do like a crate it's like for like esports gaming and things like that
1: oh that sounds super cool yeah super expensive and super (laughs) in the future but that's probably what two years away
0: um, well, the really high stuff, I think that's where it comes into the end user equipment more than the cellular. Okay. I'm sure they're capable of doing it, but it's just about having like there's a Wi-Fi frequency called 11 AD, which is similar. It's like a it's like a really high frequency, but you can only use it like in the same room that it's being deployed. You can't it won't work room to room because it's so high, but there's no phones that can do anything with it yet. But they're basically developing the technology before there's content or use for it yet, which I think makes sense, but it's a little bit of a balance.
1: Yeah, no, I guess it makes sense.
0: (laughs) So then um, to answer your question about the times things are being deployed, there's like current trials happening um, in Europe, China, Japan, Korea, and the US for 5G. Um, And the first, let me find the first one that was... Okay, so for like the very high 5G frequency bands, the millimeter wave, there's um, commercial deployments. Gonna they're gonna start in 2020 in Europe. China's still focusing on certain studies. Japan planned from 2017 and potentially commercial deployments in 2020. Korea is 2019. They already started trials in 2018, and the USA is in pre-commercial deployments of 20 in 2018. For those super, super high frequencies. And I'll I'll send, I'll obviously post all of these and you could read more about it. But it's basically just going to create much faster networks.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, everybody needs faster Wi-Fi. Yeah, or I just internet. get
0: upset because I feel like the cellular companies have like a monopoly on this in the US. It doesn't seem as fair as Wi-Fi does. How so? Because they charge you for everything and they get to make up the prices themselves. There's no like, there's not like a ton of regulation between the different.
1: But I mean, there was that whole talk about all these Wi-Fi carriers charging per gigabyte. Remember that talk? That's
0: still the cellular people.
1: No, I'm talking about... Cable service. Yeah. So like... Yeah.
0: But I'm just saying that like, it's currently not charged like that. So Yeah. <laughs> it's much more like free than... The, like, hold that the cellular companies have on everything.
1: We'll just use free public Wi-Fi everywhere. (laughs) Are you good with your fact check?
0: Are you good with my explanation?
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So I'm going to start off with the glycemic index Mm -hmm. just so we can square that away, uh, also known as GI. Uh, It is a number associated with the carbohydrates in a particular type of food that indicates the effect of these carbohydrates on a person's blood glucose level. A value of 100 represents the standard and equivalent amount of pure glucose. So, we're going to talk about glucose when we talk about adrenaline and whatnot, but it doesn't seem like there's that much of a correlation between this and how the rest of it works. Okay. Right?
0: (laughs) I guess not.
1: Okay. So, let's go to what a hormone is. I'm trying to go in order. So, a hormone, um, which from the Greek, to set in motion or urge on. So that's where you get that from. Um, it is a num- It
0: come from the Greek word to set in motion. <laughs> it, uh,
1: it is any member of a class of signaling molecules produced by glands and multicellular organisms that are transported by the circulatory system to target distant organs to regulate physiology and behavior.
0: That makes sense.
1: So that was such a, I, th- I feel like that was a very clear just definition that doesn't need much more explanation. But I can go into more details on this adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So um, adrenaline, as I mentioned, also known as adrenaline without a knee or epinephrine, is a hormone and a neurotransmitter and medication. Um, it's normally produced by both the adrenal glands and certain neurons. Plays an important role in the fight or flight response by increasing blood flow to muscles, output of the heart, pupil dilation response, and blood sugar level. Not really anything to do with the GI. (laughs) Um,
0: I was only using it as a reference to like the cascade effect. And that's what the GI number is giving you. Sure.
1: It does this by binding to alpha and beta receptors. I'm not gonna go into detail on that. It was first isolated by Napoleon Cybulski. In 1895.
0: Well look at you giving me some history.
1: Well, someone has to. So onset of action, rapid. The elimination of half-life. So it takes for it to go from 100% to 50% is only two minutes. Duration of action is only a few minutes. And excretion is. <laughs> 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 no one
0: asked yet. about the excretion. <laughs> okay. Um, so
1: let's go into an adrenaline rush effects of adrenaline and why we love it. In an adrenaline rush, the body's blood flow, digestion, and pain sensitive sensitivity are suppressing uh, certain systems of the body. Blood vessels in the body constrict themselves to allow the majority of blood to flow to the most important places, such as the heart, lungs, and then your appendages. Digestion is slowed in order to conserve energy, and the body experiences a temporary decrease in its ability to feel pain. These suppressions allow our bodies to last longer, work harder, work harder, and ultimately perform tasks that sometimes seem superhuman. So you're getting like a heightened function. Um, adrenaline creates the most efficient version of our body by suppressing some functions in order for other, other functions to be heightened. It causes a sudden jib start to the body system, which sends certain functions into overdrive, blood pressure, blood pressure spikes, Sugars are released into the bloodstream, there is an increase in respiration, and an individual can experience feelings of added strength. This spike in respiration allows the muscles to receive more oxygen in order to operate at a heightened level. The ability to put itself in overdrive is the body's way of preparing for any situation.
0: Did Um, you hear or read anything about people throwing up?
1: Yeah, I'll get into that. Okay, good. Um, Can't wait. After a rush of adrenaline, the body slowly comes down from the peak hormone rush. The body was flooded with energy in case of emergency, but the post-rush drop and blood sugar is what can cause your hands to shake and your legs to feel weak. Adrenaline gives us a temporary rush of heightened sensations, and that's why thrill-seekers pursue adventure and new experiences to chase that feeling. go into growing up, so adrenaline causes nausea-like symptoms of anxiety, which are the result of the release of adrenaline. This stress can also cause muscle tension in the abdomen, leading to tension that may squeeze the stomach and result in vomiting. Cool. (laughs) Then, hold on. So adrenaline, it'll enrich your body. It'll enrich your blood and gets it where it's needed. Um, It gives you superhuman pain resistance. It unlocks your absolute maximum strength for a few moments. It increases your brain's lifting power too and it can pump up your immune system. But then we talked about the cascade effect. So I'm going to include this image, but basically, and we're going to get super technical for those that want to hear it, for two sentences. The C-A-M-P, the cyclic A-Cyclic A-M-P molecules produced by adenyleal cyclase continues the signaling cascade by binding to a type of enzyme called protein kinase A. When phosphorylated, this enzyme also becomes activated. In this activation, glycogen phosphorylate produces a cellular response to epinephrine. So basically what that means is, you're taking the epinephrine, which is activating the cyclic AMP to create 20 molecules, which then activates another 10 molecules, which activates 100, and then 1,000, and then 10,000. So it's creating basically one epinephrine creates 10,000 blood glucose molecules.
0: Interesting.
1: So your body's getting, you know, the sugar to be able yeah. to act and whatnot. So I thought that was super cool. It's interesting. It has a fun little image to it so we can include that. Cool. I mean, it's linked to a technical article, but don't look at the article. Just look <laughs> at the image if you want to. And then all of these reasons are why the EpiPen became popular because it's basically stimulating blood flow to the heart to the lungs. So like when somebody's getting an asthma attack or they're super allergic to something. Well,
0: I I knew that the like allergic reaction, the reason they used epinephrine was because, and I thought we learned this as lifeguards, but I thought it was because, um, swelling is caused from an allergic reaction. And so epinephrine is making sure that the blood can get to the heart and lungs, despite all of the swelling that's happening as an allergic reaction.
1: Yeah, exactly. So That kind of sums it up. That EpiPen first was brought to market in the 1980s.
0: We're not even going to talk about the cost increase for the greedy corporation of that EpiPen. And
1: that was a little bit about adrenaline. It is a fun topic.
0: I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I knew you would. Yay! (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Fill out the Google form if you have any questions. Make sure to rate us if you like what we're doing, and please share it. Want to give us some great. boosts? Yeah, but yeah, we're happy listened. we've made it this far. It's just, uh, this is great. <laughs> Thanks for joining. This is I Should Know This with Joey and Deli. Bye. Bye.